What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me again, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Got a lot of ground to cover, Rusty, because Georgia assistant coaches spoke to the media this week, all right? Both coordinators spoke to the media. Dan Lanning went first on Tuesday. Todd Munkin spoke on Thursday today when we were recording this. But, Rusty, nobody cares about Dan Lanning at this point. He's in his third year. Uh, he, he coaches defense. Defense don't win nothing anymore. So we're going to talk about Todd Munkin. I'm going to pick out some key comments from his meeting with reporters on Thursday. Then on the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Georgia's upcoming scrimmage this Saturday inside Sanford Stadium. Uh, we, we plan to have it fully covered for you over at Dogs 24-7, but we want to talk about some expectations, some of the things we think we're going to hear out of it, some of the things we expect to hear out of it. But Rusty, let's get to Todd Munkin first. And there were some key comments in this whole thing. Uh, but before we get to those, it's, it, always, it always starts with the quarterback. It starts with JT Daniels. It starts with year two for Todd Munkin. And, you know, I thought that one of his one of his most important comments today was when he basically said um, that, you know, he's asked, you know, hey, what what kind of a difference does a year make for you? And he's basically like, we're just further ahead, you know, not just and it's not just JT Daniels being returning starter. It's this whole coaching staff, this whole office of coaching staff is intact from last year. That's big. The relationship with JT is better. The, the, the time that they spend together, the way that they know each other. JT's more comfortable in multiple aspects of the game. And, you know, listen, I know that water cooler talk, this is probably something a lot of you have discussed over a beer on a back patio on a Saturday night waiting for football season to come. Todd Monk and JT Daniels in year two. But, Rusty, I just want to get your take on it. How, how big is that? Because if I'm not mistaken, and I'm, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure on this, this is JT Daniels' first time having the same office coordinator two years in a row. That that would be large, to say the least. Um, you know, listening to all that, I think you summed that up pretty good. Here's the thing. When you're a quarterback, you're obviously the leader of one side of the ball, if not the team. You're certainly the leader uh, that everybody – you know, everybody has to look you in the eyes every single play to get the play. So, when you're a quarterback and you know that's your team – you can lead different. You're not battling every day trying to figure out if you're going to be the guy or not. You know you're the guy. They know you're the guy. You can prepare yourself a lot different, and you can lead a lot different. There's a different type of mentality when you walk into the room and say, hey, guys, we're throwing today at 3 o'clock. I need everybody there. That's different when you say, hey, guys, let's can you come throw with me, uh, You know, trying to get some reps in. It's just a different mentality, I think you know, getting a spring practice. I mean, we, we've talked about that a couple of times, but that's a big deal. I mean, Georgia got a spring practice, uh, and JT Daniel got extra time, extra practices as the number one. So a lot of those things I think are key. I think a lot of those things that he talked about today, um, you know, he talked about that tidy in room and man, I, 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 I've done a couple podcasts today and, you know, you start talking about, it's hard for me to even fathom the size of Darnell Washington and the guys running routes. Uh, Darnell Washington in 1995 would be a first-round draft pick at left tackle. Uh, right now, his body size and, and who he is, 6'7", 270, he'd be a perfect left tackle uh, back then. So, uh, But this guy's running routes and, and doing things for Georgia. So uh, I just think that you look at 
all the con all the the comments he made in the context of putting everything together uh, I, I do think those are some key terms that that there's a lot of continuity and these guys were able to get a lot of offseason work in year two of Todd Munkin there's no doubt about that, Rusty. And let's start with that that comment on the tight ends. We're talking about these these big comments that we want to talk. Let's go with the tight ends. We're going to talk about tight ends, Eric Gilbert, and then Todd Munkin's philosophy on feeding multiple mouths, uh, basically one ball, several playmakers. How does he handle it? So those are the three areas we're really going to hit on, and we're going to kind of run through them pretty quick. But the tight end one was his longest quote. And, and, you know, he's asked about his unique group. He brings up John Fitzpatrick first, and he talks about the amount of trust they have in John Fitzpatrick and how he's, he's just a guy that they know is going to do it the right way and he's going to do it at a high level. Then he talks about Darnell Washington. And, Rusty, this one was so key to me because you basically – we basically hit on both of those in that, in that first little part right there because Todd Munkin goes, hey, listen – and I'm not quoting him here. I don't want to read these quotes to people. They'll be available over at Dawes 24-7. He's like, hey, listen, he did some stuff late last year we didn't know he could do because we didn't get a chance to see it. You want to talk about COVID kind of tamping down what, what a guy could do last year and the tangible effect that that weird, weird offseason had on Georgia. He says straight up, Darnell Washington did some stuff late last season we just did not know he was capable of, the run-after-the-catch stuff. Uh, the, the, the ability to kind of get open, the athleticism and, and, and ability to make big plays. And he talked about kind of how he's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. Then he moves on to Brock Bowers. And I thought some really interesting stuff here. Talked about him as a worker. Said he'll work himself into the ground if you don't watch out. Um, prototypical F tight end, which I, I assume is kind of a setback tight end, almost an H-back type deal that can move out and slot and, and play different roles. And, and he mentioned Eric Gilbert's the guy that could do that as well. Um, but, but also said that, that, you know, Brock Bowers is in that group of first three tight ends, Fitzpatrick, Washington, and Bowers. And then you've got Rylan Gody and, and Brett Sither who are trying to fit in. But, Rusty, between, you know, Brock Bowers and being in the top three and Darnell Washington and them learning so much about him and the comment about scratching the surface. I thought that was an absolutely loaded quote. Yeah. Coming from somebody like Todd Monken, who's been around the NFL, he's been around some elite guys, you know, special offensive side of the ball as a coordinator, as a, as a wide receiver coach, uh, those type of things. So you, you look at, you look at someone like Brock Bowers and he was highly rated for a reason. You know, he came here in January, so he's been here now you know, eight and a half months. So, you know, he's been through a spring practice. I mean, done some things in the off season. So he's able to see some of those types of things. So, you know, the only thing Brock Bowers as a player is missing is those, those game minutes. But what you see out of him, those kids are recruited now. Uh, th this kid came from California to play. Darnell Washington came from Las Vegas to play. I mean, these guys are going to be counted on. They're, they come in. Uh, so much further ahead than where they did even five, six, seven, eight years ago and ready to play. So it doesn't shock me, to be honest, that he makes those kind of comments. But I'll tell you this, um, that tight end room, um, you know, when he talked about Eric Gilbert, you know, where Eric Gilbert, you know, is, is, has been adjusted well at Georgia. I'm interested to see how they use him. But you throw another guy in there to mix, another big jumbo athlete. So, you know, with Georgia, you know, I was looking at Clemson. I've been looking at a lot of Clemson stuff lately, and they got some freaks on the outside. We'll talk about that as we get closer. Their wide receiver group is is some very athletic, very big guys. Uh, 
Um, but but you look at Georgia and how you're going to match up with them size wise, it's going to be um, it, it's going to be a problem. And and I think Todd Monken pretty have said today that hey, these guys are getting better. And you look at Darnell Washington, who I know for a fact when Darnell came to the uh, Under Armour game down in in Vegas, uh, I mean down in Orlando, when he came down, he was out of shape. I mean, regardless of what's going on, he was out of shape, uh, you know, because you just don't know what people were doing in the offseason, that entire thing. But you look at him now, this guy, you look at the pictures of him, this guy's ready to be who everybody thinks he can be, a five-star, uh, different body type. So, you know, Todd Monken's been around. He knows what it takes to play on the highest level, and that was some high praise today for some of his guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and the thing that gets me, Rusty, and, and I want to get your take on this real quick too, Todd Munkin does not strike me as the type of guy that is just going to be effusive in his praise for people just for the heck of it. He kind of seems like a little bit of a no-nonsense guy, like a lot of guys that, that, that I grew up around in South Georgia that just didn't hand out the accolades real easily, you know, just kind of um, more, you know, uh, understated in a lot of ways. And, and to me, I think that means something coming from a coach like him. I don't think there's a ton of coach speak involved in that. I really get the feeling that, you know, with his demeanor and the way he goes about it, he's actually, you know, telling you like he sees it. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know if you get that same impression from from seeing it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, people that I know that know him, like he's the no, you know, he, he doesn't BS around. And this guy's a, this guy's a, you know, he's a old school football coach. You know, you don't see a ton of, you know, you don't see a ton. You know, with Jim Chaney, you didn't hear a ton about him kind of, you know, doesn't mean they don't recruit. You didn't hear a ton about them because they're just kind of they're, – they're ball coaches. They're coordinators. They're, they're running the show. You look at Monk and with that situation, that's kind of the vibe I get. This guy, you know, a little bit of social media every now and then, nothing crazy. He's there to coach football. He's there to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, and, and he's kind of a no-nonsense type guy. So when he goes up and speaks – uh, you know, what's you get them once a year. I don't know what if you get them. Maybe you get them in a, in a bowl game or something yeah, like twice, that. twice. You, you don't get them much. So he knows uh, every word's going to be counted on and every word's going to be, you know, broke down three different ways. But uh, this kind of a no nonsense guy. And I think he's unfiltered when he gets in front of the mic. All right. Let's move on to Eric Gilbert and exactly what he had to say about Eric Gilbert, because this is a shorter quote. Um, so I'm going to read this one. He says, well, I think he's adapted well. He's a special talent because he's in the Brock Bowers mold in that he's athletic enough to play receiver but big enough to do some things on the interior. He's a size matchup. He's a run-after-catch guy. He loves to play the game, so we're excited that he's part of our program. Now, again, you go to that understated type deal and, and you know, the old-school ball coach thing and the fact that two sentences in, he's already called Eric Gilbert a special talent. Lewis Seen has already said he's as advertised. I uh, got a story over at Dogs 24-7 about it right now. I mean, listen, it, there's a long way to go in preseason camp, Rusty. I mean, we're five practices in right now. Uh, there, there are, you know, roughly about 20 more before Georgia plays Clemson. But obviously the kind of stuff you want to be hearing about over Garrett Gilbert right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – I mean, it's been a, it's been a crazy week trying to cover every Eric Gilbert – thread and rumor and you know josh pate you know our our one of our true insiders and does a great job on the on, on 24 7 sports network he called me this morning and we're you know and me and you jake how we talk text messages and what how are we going to handle the daily 
Eric Gilbert rumor, and this is how we chose to handle it. We're going to let the coaches speak. Um, they spoke today. Kirby Smart's going to be asked about him. And, oh, by the way, there's going to be two or 300 sets of eyes in those bleachers on Saturday. So we'll, we'll know uh, where he is, you know, kind of in the rotation, what he's doing. Uh, there'll be those eyes. And then Kirby Smart will get asked about him again on Saturday. No question. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a wild week trying to cover him. The reason it's been a wild week is because this guy, Georgia fans know potentially he can be different. He is a, you know, you, you lose a guy like George Pickens, you're going to add a very athletic six foot five, 250 pound guy into the mix. So there's a lot of attention. I said on the board last night, there's a lot of eyes on Eric Gilbert. And I understand the, the, the rumors and people wanting answers, but the way we answered it is only what we can confirm. And we also knew that Todd Munkin was going to speak to the media. We also know that Kirby Smart's going to speak on Saturday. So, um, you know, really wasn't trying to shoot down anything, but we're only going to answer for what we can confirm. And we posted every day what we confirmed. And we've heard the offensive coordinator today say he's a great, great, he's fitting in great at Georgia. So, uh, you know, this would be something that there'll be a lot of questions asked until the season starts. And we'll see how it unfolds and how Georgia uses uh, Eric Gilbert and what's his role in this offense. All right, Rusty, before I get to this third question, I've got an announcement to make, okay? We got a new sponsor, all right? And this is a sponsor that wants us to read. They want me to read. They want me to mess this up is what they really want me to do because if they're asking me to do it, I'm probably going to mess it up. Just ask my wife. Home Field Apparel, Rusty. Home Field Apparel, based out of Indianapolis. This is a company, Vintage, Vintage Gear, okay? They've got a Georgia line coming out. It's launching on August the 14th. That's Saturday, okay? There's going to be a, a pretty substantial line here, from what I understand, 14 pieces of apparel. That includes T-shirts, hoodies, crew necks, all vintage marks you won't see anywhere else. This is all unique stuff. I've seen some of it, Rusty, and it's really cool stuff. This is like old school, you know, dude has it sitting on top of his mantle, and he's had it sitting on top of his mantle for 20 years. It's got more dust on it than it does, than it does sweat. All right, that's the kind of stuff it's going to be. And uh, basically, we're partnering with these guys, homefieldapparel.com, H-O-M-E-F-I-E-L-D-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. That's where you find it. And we've got a promo code. New customers can get 15% off of their first purchase from Homefield with the code DOGS247. That's D-A-W-G-S 2247. Dot com at homefieldapparel.com. Go check it out. Look at their stuff. I know we had some people on the board already this week that were real fired up about it. There's a partnership now with Georgia where they've also partnered with Dogs 24-7 and the Junkyard Dogcast. So this get in same, there and make it worth their while. The same thing the Amp posted. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Shout you know, out Amp. You know Amp's on top of it. You don't get nothing by it. I don't even know if Amp listens to the podcast. He should. He's the one to ask for it for so long. But uh, Amp won seven. I have zero doubt that Amp listens. <laughs> that man stays clued in. And by the way, Amp, I know I owe you a stake, uh, but I will say that I tried to bring a televised game to Colquitt County. Didn't work out. Wasn't on my end. Uh, but I'll be I'll be down sooner or later to to, to cover that. That we, we got hundreds, maybe thousands of jealous people on the junkyard. <laughs> Amp's got about three minutes of this podcast. Man. But uh, shout out, dude. Glad everything's okay with you, and I uh, know you're excited about this and the podcast. And pretty much everything Georgia football related in general, you stay that way, and that's uh, that's why we love you and so many other people over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven at the Junkyard, Rusty. Let's jump into this last one. 
um, that I wanted to bring up regarding Todd Munkin. And there's really one part of this I want to hone in on because, man, the no-nonsense way in which Todd Munkin stated this, I don't know, it almost raised my eyebrows. Like it almost like – I was almost kind of like, whoa, that he, he came, came at it then. He was talking about – he was asked about, you know, only having one ball. You know, the JT Daniels made a comment at SEC Media Days, the only problem with the offense is there's only one ball. Well, uh, Todd Munkin basically t- said, yeah, there's only one ball, but I don't determine where the ball goes. Todd Munkin said that about himself, said, I don't determine where the ball goes. The defense does. And basically what he's talking about there is something that Kirby Smart, you know, granted, listen, Kirby Smart is a human and he's not perfect and he's a head coach and no head coach is perfect and all this stuff. I'm not saying he's above criticism, but Kirby Smart has said this exact same thing probably 20 times and every time he gets punched in the head about it by the Georgia fan base. The defense dictates where the ball goes. Now, that's not to say that they're going to just do what the defense wants them to do. They're going to attack the defense where it's weak, meaning – if a team's in too deep coverage with man underneath, they're not going to try to sling it downfield into double coverage every down. Or if teams are playing inside leverage and trying to keep the middle of the field clean, they're not going to try and force the issue constantly and, and try to get the ball in the middle of the field. They're going to go away from leverage and run their stuff that they've got answers for what the defense does. And that's how they're going to determine who gets the football. Every every play has a read. You may read a safety. Safety comes up, you throw it deep. Safety stays back, you throw the – you know, throw the intermediate in cut, whatever. That's what he's talking about. And he basically says, I'm not, I'm not going to spend any, any of my time worried about who gets the football because he wants his guys to be selfish. He wants his guys to want it, but he also wants to do what's best for the team and put points on the board. I just, to me, Rusty, that, that kind of, that whole idea that I'm not going to worry about who gets the football or not, I don't know that it's 100% true because I think there's sometimes they're going to try and get guys involved and try to figure out ways to, to get guys involved. But at the same time, the fact that he's just going to come out and say that up front, only meeting with the media before the season starts. Again, another illustration of just how matter of fact Todd Munkin can be. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm guilty of it too. I watch game. Hell I do games on TV. I mean, so I'm guilty of saying, Hey, they probably should have went here. Probably should have went there. Truly, you don't know what's going on unless you're 100% in that huddle and how the ball's distributed, uh, what the pre-snap read, those types of things. Now, I will say this, Todd Monken teaches his players to say, listen, if they're in this coverage, we're going with this play. So, yes, you can dictate some things, but I understand what he is saying on, on that side of it. So, you know, we could talk a lot, go different areas. I go back to, again, this is probably the third, fourth podcast I've done today, and 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 the message has been kind of the same for me. JT Daniels is an experienced quarterback coming back. This is why Georgia is getting a ton of preseason hype. Clemson replacing a quarterback. Ohio State replacing a quarterback. Alabama replacing a quarterback. I don't care who they're replacing them with. It's new guys, okay? So it's new new questions being DJ played a couple games last year, but you look at all those things. So to me – the reads, what JT Daniels does with the plays, the checks he makes in line of scrimmage, he's he's everybody. Jake, you've heard it as much as I have. He's off the charts, uh, smart and on a chalkboard. Uh, what he he is a he is absorbed by film room, like maybe nobody Georgia's ever had, including Jake Fromm. This guy watches tape consi- all the time. So with that conversation and what Todd Monken is saying there, 
Uh, I, I do agree with that, but I also agree that you coach guys to to make changes. And, uh, you know, we'll see all that. George got an experienced guy coming back. I don't expect him to be too confused many times. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to make a successful play every time. There's nothing wrong with punting. And Jake, you've heard it a million times as an old high school coach. There's nothing wrong with punting the ball. So, uh, you know, you look at that, and I think, you know, this Clemson game, we're going to talk a little about that more and more. To me, it's early in the year. It comes down to who's playing sloppy, who has a, uh, you know, an early season turnover, those types of things because both of these rosters are extremely loaded. Todd Munkin's got a very experienced group coming back, and it starts with his quarterback and JT Daniel. No doubt about it, Rusty, and we said it. We said it here recently. Like, if you could if you could pick between having – I can't remember exactly what the, what the scenario was. I posed it to you and Kip. It was if you could have George Pickens healthy or if you could have the, the Eric Gilbert wide receiver, something like about the wide receivers, or you could bet on JT Daniels taking that next step. Which one would you pick? And we all, without a doubt, pick JT Daniels taking the next step. It's how important that position is. Let's take a break here real quick, Rusty. And uh, on the other side, we're going to talk about those uh, first scrimmage expectations. All right, Rusty, if the past is any indication, Georgia's going to hold a scrimmage around noon on, on Saturday. Okay, it'll be the first preseason scrimmage. It'll be... Let's see. I, I believe they were off yesterday. I'm pretty sure they were off yesterday. So they're going to practice today. So today will be the sixth practice on Thursday. They'll they'll do like a walkthrough light practice on Friday. So that'll be seven. So it'll be the eighth workout of the spring or the preseason, and uh, they're going to get after it. It's the one. This is the one where you the most guys you would think are going to get an opportunity to show what they can do because they might narrow it down before that second scrimmage, and then they'll definitely narrow it down after the second scrimmage. Do you have one thing, and I'm probably going to give you a chance to do another, so don't think you got to weave them all in right here, one thing that you expect out of this scrimmage? Huh. Um, or, or how about this? One thing you expect or, 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 or want to know at, at the end of the scrimmage as we gather intel? Um, the, the backup quarterback. You know, if Carson Beck, we've both heard a lot of things out of Carson Beck and some of the things he done, I think we kind of all have a good feel on Stetson Bennett and, you know, Brock Vandergriff. Obviously, Coach Monken made some comments about him that he's tremendous growth. Um, I want to see what Carson Beck can do and what we hear about that. What is he doing? Because usually, what the twos go against the ones at some time, so he's going to be up there with those guys. And uh, you know, Kendall Milton, how much? How many? How many carries does he get? Arian Smith. Um, I think my. Really, question is who does what on offense right now? Defensively, uh, you always think that you know the old saying is defense is a little bit ahead of the offense early on in camp. So I want to see in this particular first scrimmage what the offense does, how they move the ball, and those types of things, um, and and what people. But if I could watch one thing uh, for me, it'd be what 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 is Carson Beck showing me. Uh, you know, how is he how is he running the show and how are things when he's under the center? Todd Munkin did say that Carson Beck exited spring practice as the number two quarterback. Now, I don't really know exactly what that means. Does that mean Carson Beck is the first guy in if JT Daniels goes down? I don't know. Maybe they feel better with Stetson Bennett in that particular situation. And, you know, Carson Beck is the guy that they go with if Daniels turns an ankle in practice and they need two weeks out of somebody. I don't really know. But, but Beck made a move this spring, and that's huge for him. That's huge. And, and listen, and, and I can't say that I expected that because I didn't know what to expect out of Carson Beck with such a weird offseason for him in that first year. 
you know, just so strange. I didn't know if that was going to maybe set him back a year and maybe turn his sophomore redshirt sophomore season into a redshirt freshman season. I really didn't know. But uh, I was pretty surprised to see that he made that kind of move. You know, it, it comes down to two things for me, offensive line and cornerback, Rusty. But if I, if I had to, you know, say, hey, I want to be able to just, you know, see a small screen of this particular position, I would probably go a cornerback. I think the offensive line is going to work itself out one way or the other. Too much talent, too much competition, too many guys who know what they're doing right there. Um, so I feel pretty good about that one, especially when you talk about, you know, Jamari Sawyer and, and his experience in a security blanket at left tackle. Um, you know, I think George is going to be fine. But at cornerback, I'm just interested to see how those reps get split because I feel like they're going to want to they're going to want to get Darian Kendrick ready. They're going to want to get even maybe a slightly different defense, maybe similar coverage wise. I think they're going to want to really get him ready, get him all the reps he can possibly get, get him comfortable with the terminology and the calls and things like that. Maybe get him in a position where he can lead because he's had to communicate in some really big games. But the other cornerback spot I think is wide open. Um, I did a depth chart projection not too long ago. I had a mere speed. I just think a mere speed, uh, you know, playing the odds, I'd probably put him at 50 and a half percent, you know, in terms of, um, or, or, you know, whatever percent, you know, if you're making it three ways, maybe 33 and a half percent, if you're trying to do it like that. Um, but, but I think that Amir Speed's got a good chance to win. I think Keely Ringo's got a good chance to win. I think Jalen Kimber's got a good chance to win it. And I don't think Kamari Lasseter and Nylon Green are going to go down easily. And they're going to want to have all of those guys ready because staying healthy for a full season is a difficult thing to do. But I, I would really watch the cornerbacks. Um, more than anything, if I had a chance to kind of get eyes on this thing and, and focus on one position, is there any particular player that you think or you want to hear about coming out of this uh, scrimmage, Rusty? Um, it's hard. I know they're going to get a lot of Eric Gilbert. You know, we're going to get a lot of Eric Gilbert. What is he? What's he doing? Um, left tackle is a position. You know, is it Broderick Jones? Is it you know Xavier Trust? Is, where, where's Jamari Salyer playing with Warren Erickson out? You know, what's Fan Pran? So, I would say you know offensive line, but I would go in particular uh, Broderick Jones or Xavier Trust. Who's 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 doing what over there at left tackle, and what what reps are being used there? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that one is another one that, that I would love to see. I, I'm really interested to hear some stuff about, about MJ Sherman um, and even Robert Beal, just because, you know, when Josh, Rustin, we had Josh paid on last week, you know, I, I told him that, you know, you basically have these ebbs and flows on, on what your confidence level, certain positions and the nuances of a team. And, and I told him, I was like, listen, you know, you know, when Kirby kind of comes out and says, you know, he's more, he's as much concerned about losing Azizo Jalari as he is those two cornerbacks, that tells me that that outside linebacker, they need some guys to step up. They play four guys there, Russ. They play five guys there. So I want to know if Georgia can get four to five deep again at that position. Probably not five deep. Maybe they can if if, if Xavier and Sori can kind of work himself into a third down role. But how do you get four deep at that position? Well, the logical answer there is Robert Beal and, and MJ Sherman. And you know, Dan Lanning mentioned earlier this week that MJ is finally healthy and and he's he's you know he's interested to see how he progresses if he can stay healthy throughout a full preseason camp. And I just want to see what the reps look like and I want to see what I would like to see what those guys look like. 
Um, you know, are they holding up against the run? Are they getting some pressure on the quarterback? Are they winning some of those one-on-one battles? And then I guess, you know, as, as we would, as luck would have it, you know, you're wanting to see what the left tackle is doing and I'm wanting to see what the guys who go up against them do. So we could probably learn a lot if we just got one little closed circuit look at, at the tackle positions and, and how they're faring against the outside linebackers. Anything else you want to add about the scrimmage, Rusty? Any general thoughts, any kind of, um, do you want to throw us a buckle up or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think you, I think that, God, I could see everybody rolling their eyes here. I think you learn a lesson. Um, thought we were about to break down punters there for a minute. Oh, oh God, would no, I'd be super pumped. Uh, Long I, think learned, I think you learn a lesson on a guy like Matt Landers because Matt Landers had two really good camps in a row at Georgia and we both dynamite scrimmages. Dynamite scrimmage. I'm talking Randy Moss type catches, and you know it just didn't translate into the fall. So I, I think you kind of don't overreact uh, to what you hear. Now we're certainly going to bring you what we hear, and that's part of it. But you got to kind of take take it with a grain of salt. This is the first scrimmage for Georgia, and they got another one the very next week, and then they'll play you know two weeks from that point. So uh, I think you just kind of you know you, you tuck it away and say, okay, that guy's doing good. But I'll tell you this: one thing I have learned. When you hear of consistency over a couple of days, and I've heard that with Lad McConkey, and I heard it again this morning from different areas, that tells me that he is having a very good fall camp. He's doing it every day, and that he's making a move on more playing time. So that's a guy that you've touched on. That's a guy that I've touched on. So uh, I think you just kind of take it with a grain of salt, what you hear, but you kind of you kind of put the pieces together of, okay, did he have just a great scrimmage or is he having a great fall camp? Because I'm going to tell you, man, I would have people come home as like, Matt Landers is a freak show. I mean, he's done this. He did that today. It just didn't translate past September. So I learned a lesson with that part of it. And listen, dadgummit, rest in peace, Bobby Bowden, borrowing that one from him. But Matt Landers, if you look at the last two preseason camps and the first couple games of those seasons, Matt Landers is all over the football field in the first couple games of the season. He earned snaps early in the season with those camps. It's not like we were out there telling people what they wanted to hear. This dude was really good during camp. And as he showed that he wasn't really ready to keep it going throughout the season to to performing games, his reps would taper off both seasons. And, And he ended up not playing as much, but he played a lot in those first couple games of the last two seasons, and now he's transferred. He's at Toledo, I believe it is, and and uh, I hope things go really well there for him. Um, but, you know, it, you're right. You learn a lesson from something like that, but at the same time, you can't not report it. You know, you just can't not report who's having a great scrimmage because there are people there that watch the scrimmages that come to these boards, and they'll confirm it for you. They'll say, yeah, this so-and-so had three catches, three touchdowns today. You know, I, thought, I believe Matt Landers had a, had a scrimmage where he had three touchdowns, all of them above 40 yards with the first-team offense against the first-team defense, but it didn't translate to the field. And, and that's kind of where, you know, this, this game, you know, it kind of goes against Kirby Smart's philosophy of practice, practice, practice. You know, that's what we're going to put it all on. But what else do you have to go off of at that point? You know, until a guy shows you he can do it on the field and then you're still trying to fix his practice habits. Um, you know, one thing, I, I Rusty, I throw another receiver in there too that I've started to hear a little bit of buzz about the last couple of days. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. I, I've heard that 
You know, this guy is bigger. He's stronger. He he has come back from that ankle injury. He even had a setback with that ankle injury with by spraining an ankle. I don't even know if it was the same ankle, but he had another injury, another setback. And I've been told that uh, by multiple people, last couple, two or three days have been really good practices for him. Um, and, and he's kind of shown out. So I'd like to hear what he does out of the scrimmage. Um, and, and we'll have it all covered for you over at Dogs 24-7. And uh, we'll be back with you next week, hopefully to tell you what we heard in the scrimmage and to cover whatever news happens because this is the University of Georgia and something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. So get ready for that. And uh, we'll be here to tell you about it. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy.